Chapter thirty three of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. It was nearly two months before Conal and Davy were back in the Wirree again. They rode into the township one evening when the sun was sinking behind the purple range of the hills and making a rosy mist of the dust a mob of northern cattle raised. Dust grimed and silent, their whips curled on their arms, their dogs lean and limping at heel, they passed McNabs. They might have been any of a dozen cattlemen who were about the sale yards that day, but McNab recognised them. It was those cattle of Maitland's that stood between him and his suspicions of the game Connell and the schoolmaster were on. He thought he knew the part they played in it, but itched for a straw of proof. He hurried to the doorway and stood in it, chewing his underlip as he watched the road-weary, weedy beasts and their drovers trail out of the town. Connell saw him. "'Pullin' them up and coming back for a drink in a minute, McNab,' he yelled. He lost no chances of letting Thad think there was nothing to hide in his movements. He returned to the Black Bull a few moments later, and Davy went on to Hegarty's. Teddy, Steve's black boy, and the dogs watched the cattle on the edge of the road. Connell and Davy spent few words on each other. They went their separate ways by mutual consent, avoiding the occasions that mean association or talking. On the road during the first days, when the cattle were fresh, they had swung their stock whips, keeping the mob going, like one man. There had been headlong gallops after breakaways, the thrashing in of stragglers, the crowding of beasts up steep slippery hillsides with curses and yelping dogs, the watchfulness that driving a mob of wild cattle short-handed meant. Nerves and muscles were stretched to the job in hand. When a halt was made the first night, the mob was ringed with brushwood fires. The wildest of the scrub-bred warrigals, broken by the long day's steady trotting, hustled up quietly against Maitland's well-fattened store-beasts. Connell and the black boy took the first watch, Davy and Connell the second, and Davy and the black the third. Ordinarily, the fires flaring against the darkness were enough to keep the cattle in a bunch during the night. Sometimes, when a fire died down, and there was a longer gap in the links between the fires, a restless heifer or steer made a dash for it, and the watcher had to be quick with a burning bough, brandish and whack it about the head of the runaway, before the beast, with a moaning bellow and roar, turned back to the mob again. It was on the second night out, when Connell was sleeping and Davy and Teddy watching, that the black, stupid with sleep, let his fires go down, and a red bull and half a dozen cows broke through the ring. It looked like a stampede. Davy dashed after the bull. Connell's dog Sally, alert at the first rush of the cattle's movement, leapt after them. Her long yellow shape flashed like a streak of lightning in the wan light over the plains. She raced level with the leader's sleek shoulder and laid her teeth in his hide, wheeled him, snapping at his nose and dragging him by it, until he turned in toward the mob again. Davy lashed the cows after the leader. Sally flew round them, a yellow fury, yelping and snapping. Connell, half asleep, flung onto his horse and laid about him with his whip, cursing. He and the black boy had all their work cut out to keep the mob steady. It was a near thing, and Connell used his tongue pretty freely when he talked of it. He had had very little to say to Davy ordinarily. The memory of that evening in the kitchen at Steve's rankled. It bred a sense of resentment and secret antagonism, which he took less pains to hide from that night. He used his lungs to curse Teddy and the red steer, but did not talk to Davy unless he had something to say about the cattle or the road. 
from dawn till sunset they rode silently within a dozen yards of each other when they came within easy distance of rain in the lake settlements they kept the mob moving all night the snowy was swollen with recent rains when they came to it but connell had set his mind on crossing without delay he rushed the mob down the incline to the river and drove it into the swirling stream whip thongs swung together ripped and racked in the clear air the struggling terrified beasts were crowded with no more than their heads above the water against the strong currents of the stream until with rattling and clashing horns they clambered up the bank on the further side the last days on the road were taken more easily the mob went slowly eastward grazing as it moved and was in prime condition when connell handed it over to maitland and kubara on the new south wales side maitland was a big man in the district head of the well-known firm of stock dealers no difficulties were made about the turnover when connell had had some talk with him and davy and he had loafed about the town for a day or two they went out again with a half a hundred poor beasts from a drought-stricken western run on the road behind the mob despite their secret resentment long connell and davy cameron had come to the dumb understanding of roadmates it did nothing to break the silence between them davy yielded connell an unconscious homage he did it with grudging humility but there was no breaking the barrier of connell's reserve notwithstanding his blithe recklessness his daring and bragging enthusiasm there was a stern quality an unplumbed depth in connell he endured davy's company but there was that in his mind against him which one man does not easily forgive another as they drew nearer wirreford and the thoughts of each took the same track the latent animosity vibrated between them again connell lost no time in getting out of the township and taking the road to the hills davy conscious that it was connell and not he who would stand well in the eyes of deirdre and the schoolmaster when the story of the road was told lingered at hegarty's a brooding bitterness possessed him he knew that connell had wanted him until this deal was fixed up not only because he was short of a man when pat and tim kearney cleared out but because he was afraid how he davy might use the knowledge he had told the schoolmaster he possessed about some other of connell's cattle dealings as for himself davy knew that not only had his independence demanded a job but something of the spirit of adventure a recklessness of consequences had appealed to him in the moonlighting of a couple of hundred scrub cattle he wondered what he would do when the schoolmaster and connell and deirdre left the hills he knew that a share of the money the cattle had brought would be his he thought that he would go away from the south when he got it and strike out in some new line of life for himself End of chapter thirty three